0: Brought to you by Roadcaster Pro. Hello and welcome to another edition of Mickey Rourke Talk. This is the discussion podcast where we take a look at the interesting, grandiose career of Philip Andre Rourke Jr. Or Sir Eddie Cook, or better known as... Mr. Mickey Rourke. My name is Shane a. Bassett, your host, the movie analyst, and we have two films on the agenda today. Two very different films, but that's the way I like it. One in particular is a film I've been wanting to discuss forever on Mickey Rourke Talk, uh, and that's what we'll do. But let me tell you what the second discussion movie will be about it is Blunt Force Trauma of 2015 with Ryan Quantin and Frida Pinto. Really enjoyed uh, talking to Ryan Quantin recently. We uh, caught up about a new movie he has out soon. And we discussed a little bit about Mickey and Blunt Force Trauma. And Frida Pinto as well. We just talked about her. She's so, so good. But uh, first of all, today we will look at The Informers. A 2009 shocker. And I mean that in a thrilling, over-the-top, lovingly dramatic manner. Uh, It's a rundown, not a deep dive, this discussion. There's an all-star cast in this movie. In a way, I think it's an all-star cast. Some of the horrific subject matter contained in The Informers we will put into the conversation. Uh, I'll explain things throughout. Uh, It is a pretty heavy-going movie. But it is based on a novel by Brett Easton Ellis, who is controversial in a way still, because he uh, has an opinionated manner about him. I loved his books growing up, and we'll talk about that too. But first, here's a tune from the excellent Informer's soundtrack. We're running with the shadows. is just one of many cool songs on the soundtrack of the informers a retro soundtrack as you may have guessed that was pat benatar's shadows of the night and we will sample the soundtrack a little bit like you heard then throughout The informers 2009 is a severe drama it's based on the novel by brett easton ellis an author i admire uh, let's kind of discuss a bit about Brett Easton Ellis to begin this chat. Uh, a 1994 novel called The Informers had a pretty huge impact on me. Now, this is long before the movie, and I was probably too young to read it. However, I guess, looking back at it now, Less Than Zero, An American Psycho, and in particular The Rules of Attraction, had a higher jolt to my senses as a you know at a younger age. Um I shouldn't have been reading them. that is for sure. Uh, Lesson zero still is my favorite movie adaptation of Brett Easton Ellis's works. American Psycho is a close second. I think you may or may not remember, depending of on your age, that the book, yes, the physical book that was in bookstores of American Psycho, had shrink wrap. It was shrink wrapped at plastic around it uh, with a big R rating sticker on the front. Uh, you could not buy it unless you were over 18 and you couldn't read it even in the store before you bought it, as you can with many books. People people go into bookstores reading magazines and books and then they just leave them anywhere on the shelf and take off. Don't like that. Okay, so I've read all of Brett Easton Ellis's books. They're an acquired taste. That's no newsflash. Um, but the complete works of Brett Easton Ellis is an endurance test of the sensory limits. And The Informers, the movie, is no exception. Uh, This did not have a cinema release down under. I'm pretty sure, although it does have an Australian director, Gregor Jordan. Gregor Jordan is legendary for a couple of reasons. Two hands. He made that movie. Brian Brown, Heath Ledger, Rose Byrne, two hands. He was the director. Uh, It's an Aussie... I guess you could call it crime, comedy, drama. Brilliant film. He also did Buffalo Soldiers in 2001, a couple of years after the success of Two Hands. Uh, That had Ed Harris and Scott Glenn and Dean Stockwell, Joaquin Phoenix, Idris Elba, and of course the fabulous Anna Paquin were in Buffalo Soldiers, but very few people know that film. Then Ned Kelly came along. The Australian movie... Well, his version of Ned Kelly in 2003 it was a big hit down under. It was a massive hit. Heath Ledger again. Uh, I don't think it was a hit anywhere else. Uh, it was released to a lot of fanfare in the UK and Europe, but uh, didn't take off. Heath Ledger took over from Mick Jagger uh, as the uh, bristling bull, <laughs> bullshit artist. I was going to say, but bush ranger, because I think Ned Kelly did like to spin a few yarns. Uh, the ensemble of this Ned Kelly in 2003 by Gregor Jordan also had Orlando Bloom and Naomi Watts and Joel Edgerton was in it, Rachel Griffiths, Emily Browning. There was a whole array of Aussie thespians in Ned Kelly 2003. The film, unfortunately, just didn't reach out to a global audience, but I'm not surprised. Uh, however, it gave... Someone the idea to give Gregor the money to make The Informers five years later. Why is the question. The Informers just doesn't seem suited to Gregor Jordan in my opinion. But the movie is still quite watchable if you're like really prepared to cringe. Uh, It's got decadence. It's full of opulence, excess obtuse activity among many egocentric individuals it's all happening here with the brush of brett easton ellis if i told you i grew up in la i'd be lying here no one ever grows up in my town we have it all Totally psyched we're going to go see Ryan Metro. That is ofgram remember to get the ticket. I got the tickets and stop saying totally whenever we want. It. I can feel feel your pain. You can't really make it in this town unless you're really willing to do some awful thing. There's no right or wrong. You don't know what they're capable of. They're like kind of a nightmare. No consequences. Did you ever love me? Tell me, I did you ever know. love me? I don't know. We're their family again. Only. Only desire. You're also sleeping with him and it's stressing me out. You're forgetting something. What? We're both sleeping with Martin. You can have everything. Here with her, aren't you? You can be anything. I need something, Martin. What else is there? You already have everything. There's something more than this. Anything but happy. I'm lie, I'm so far away. I gonna... If nobody tells you these things, Martin, then how do you know what's good and what's bad? Lie, I couldn't get away. So that was the uh, trailer for The Informers. Uh, And, you know, if it did get a cinema release overseas, I'm not aware of it because um, I know it, in many countries, debuted on Blu-ray. I have the DVD, Region 1, and it has a couple of bonus features on it, uh, commentary tracks and a making of, in particular, that are very interesting if you're that way inclined with physical media. I would say buy a copy if one is still around. Mickey Rourke has a medium to large role in this. Now, it's quite impactful as usual. Uh, Considering the trajectory of his character, his look in the film and the dialogue, um, he successfully delivers on a huge scale. He is also very solid and scary in both demanding forms. And he has a very, very bad attitude. He's not a nice person. Uh, More on Mickey shortly, though. However, the rundown of this so-called plot is really simply just interweaving stories of 1980s yuppies and LA locals. Uh, Most of them are well off. They all crisscross in a blend of sorted uh, stories during an era where the AIDS virus is coming into contention more and more. Uh, The community of sexual deviates that these people are, um, yeah, AIDS becomes an issue very fast uh, for some of them especially. Uh, Orgies galore. Uh, They are free to just keep on playing with their drugs and sexual antics. Uh, It goes on throughout. And, uh, yeah, it's watered down a little bit compared to the book but it's uh, all happening here at times let's look at some of the cast now you might have heard a a few voices in that trailer including Billy Bob Thornton now I do believe Billy Bob Thornton is one of the greatest actors of uh, the modern generation he's up there with Sean Penn and uh, many others he if you didn't know already has a, a shopping list of pretty good performances some in average movies some in brilliant movies but he's Generally, never bad. Think of Love, actually. A lot of people don't even remember he's in that. Bad Santa. It's Bad Santa. Of course. U-Turn. The Oliver Stone film. Brilliant film with part of the ensemble, Mr. Billy Bob Thornton. Slingblade. He was great in that. That's where the Oscar came from. Armageddon. Many, many other movies. Brad Renfro. This was his last film before passing away. Uh, I think... He would have passed away in 2008, so the movie was released quite some time after his death. Uh, Filming would have been completed after it, and uh, it was with a heavy heart that um, I saw him in this because he does put in a really good performance. Uh, A weird performance, but a good one. He is best known... Or, in my eyes, The Client and Ghost World. Brad Renfro could have been anything, but unfortunately, excess took him away from us. Amber Heard, despite what you think of Amber Heard, uh, she is a pretty good actress, does well in this. uh, And also, watch the movie Syrup. If you haven't seen it or heard of it, check it out. She's great in Syrup. Uh, Also appeared in Aquaman, of course, and the upcoming Aquaman 2. Chris Isaac, well, Twin Peaks. You know, enough said there. Hope floats, very uh nice romantic movie with Sandra Bullock. Copycat Chris Isaac, the musician, is also a decent actor, as you'll see in this, although he's very annoying. Austin Nichols is in this. Now I like Austin Nichols, not a lot of people know him. He is from a television show that had one season and it was great for about all episodes bar the last two. John from Cincinnati, I think there was ten episodes. 2007 that got released it was a huge hbo series uh it had eight great episodes from memory the last two off the wall and got cancelled but still check out john from cincinnati austin nichols is in this wimbledon he was also in ah now let's talk about kim basinger the nine and a half weeks co-star of mickey Rourke, of course and she appeared in black november which we have yet to cover on Mickey Rourke Talk. That's a movie out of 2012. Now, I've said this many times. I do believe during the filming of Nine and a Half Weeks, they intensely hated each other. Well, maybe more so Kim hated Mickey or disliked. Hate is a strong word. Disliked Mickey so much that said he, she said he, he. he is off limits. She'll never work with him again. Well, that wasn't true, was it? They obviously became friends. Although in the informers in this movie, they do not share a scene. They just happen to be in the same movie. My Stepmother is an Alien is another movie worthy of Kim Basinger's list of films. And of course, and I've said it before, LA Confidential. There's so many other movies that Kim has done. A few more cast members in the moment, in a moment, but here is something for your ears. We can dance if we want to, we can leave your friends behind, cause your friends don't dance and if they don't dance well they're no friends of mine, see we can go where we want to, place where they will never find, and we can act like we come from out of this world, leave the real one far behind. And so am I And we can dress real neat From our hearts to our feet And surprise them with a the victory cry See, we can act if we want to If we don't, nobody will And you can act real rude And totally removed And I can act like an imbecile Say we can dance We can dance Everything's out of control Men without hats No explaining necessary safety dance Appears on the soundtrack of The Informer's a couple more cast members I want to list, and like I said at the start of this podcast, it's pretty much a all-star cast, a galaxy of stars, if you will. Winona Ryder. Yeah, that Renona Ryder. She plays Cheryl Moore. Now, this was a year before Black Swan. Uh, I do believe that Heathers is Winona's best film. I know a lot of people might think Edward Scissorhands is... Uh, or Welcome Home, Roxy Carmichael, or even Reality Bites. How to Make an American Quilt comes to mind. Stranger Things, more recently, Winona Ryder needs no introduction, and I think she's really good in this. Really, really good, intense scenes with Billy Bob Thornton. Reese Ivins. He appeared in Passion Play opposite Mickey, Megan Fox, and Bill Murray. We'll talk about that movie in depth in an upcoming Mickey Rourke Talk episode. Reese was also in Notting Hill. Angela Serafan. Now, Westworld, I remember her mostly in, as Clementine. She was in a recent movie with Hugh Jackman called Reminiscence as well. I didn't mind that. Uh, Angela's role in that was short but very effective Angela Serafin was also in Kablooey, one of the greatest movies from 2007. I absolutely love it. An independent comedy with Lisa Kudrow and others. Hilarious. Kablooey and Angela appeared in that. Uh, I do believe that she has a distinct look, her face, her body, her eyes, everything about her is very distinct. You'll know her when you see her. Other people in this movie was also, uh, also worth mentioning is Theo Rossi, uh, Valentina Garcia. They have significant minor roles. Jessica Stroop as Rachel. I think it's worth mentioning that you won't know who that is, but it's an actress that you will know more of very soon. Trust me, very soon. Soon. She was a guest at Zac Efron's pool party in 2009 as well. Look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Mickey Rourke plays Peter, Uncle Peter. Uh, At the 18-minute mark, you know what happens? Well, we hear his voice on the phone. We know it's him straight away. Then we first lay eyes on him. About the 20-minute, 30-second mark, uh, he's sitting on the porch of his nephew, Brad Renfro's house. And he's saying the words, How's it hanging? with a big chuppa chup in his mouth, chomping away on that. Uh, He's also competing with a cigarette. So he's got a chuppa chup and a cigarette almost immediately. He's totally intimidating the second you see Mickey Rourke, and his role in this is huge. Like it has really high octane impact. Different kind of set of clothes he's put in during this movie. White pants, a gray spotty, white sleeve shirt, gold chain, um, some impressive sunnies. Now, I think they're pretty cheap. They look like they are, but you'll know them when you see them. They are really impressive. They look good, but you know what? You might have got them at the survey. Sleeveless black vest and a leather hat. You know, that's nothing different for Mickey. You know, that's one of his regulation. Costumes. Uh he has a really cool red and black shirt that's checkered on. I like that one. And he sports this uh pencil moustache, which uh yeah, it also suits him. The old little bit of pencil moustache under the nose. Manicured. Could he have played any other role? Maybe the Billy Bob Thornton role? Uh, or the Reese Ephens role. Reese He plays this manager to this uh, wayward rock star um, who has like this stigmata moment, actually, with broken glass. Uh, Chris Isaac, he could have maybe, Mickey might have been able to play the Chris Isaac role in this. Um, He plays the dad to one of the protagonists in the yuppie group. Um, They go away on this holiday to this island resort, and um, the dad is really sleazy and starts trying to pick up all his... Uh, sons aged girls. That's it's not a comfortable movie this. It really isn't. I I just think that um Mickey's character here is the only one he could have played successfully, that's for sure. Uh Chris is an underrated actor. He was good in this um and you already know my feelings on Billy Bob Thornton. Do I recommend The Informers? Well only really to Die Hard Mickey Rock fans. Uh or those who like difficult subject matter in their movies. It's engaging, but it's also extremely repulsive at times. You have been warned before you seek this movie out. old dream by simple minds their second best movie soundtrack of all time the first of course is don't you forget about me the theme song from the breakfast club even though the informers flies by you simply cannot recommend this movie to anyone i keep repeating myself but there are several almost queasy situations in this they're not exactly entertaining put it that way uh, Kim and Mickey don't have any scenes together, which was a shame. Uh, and I do think Billy Bob is worth mentioning because he's fantastic when he has some engaging scenes with both Kim Basinger and Winona Ryder. Uh, he's had an affair with Winona Ryder's character. He was once married to, well, still kind of married to Kim Basinger's character. I mentioned Chris Isaac going away with his son to an island. He's trying to pick up girls, you know, uh, 30 years younger than him. Um, that is pretty Weird in a way, with his drawling accent of his and he's just relishing it, even though he's just acting and he's so good at it. Winona is Winona. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's Winona. And because there are no redeemable characters in this, there are very few redeemable characters in this, maybe Brad Renfro's character, which was in particular sad, but well done. Uh, I think that Mickey does suit the role, as mentioned, it was a big year for him. The Wrestler, Killshot after this, and Iron Man 2 was on the way. So all within a year or two around this film, some big things were happening for Mickey Rourke. Uh, all those movies that we met, I just mentioned, we've talked about The Wrestler, but the ones after that, Killshot and Iron Man 2, we'll talk about in a future episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. The Informers is... Brett Easton Ellis, light, although light Brett Easton Ellis is not easygoing. Informers is a good movie, has a great soundtrack, uh, has dramatic poise, but it is a nasty, nasty film. And the AIDS situation, which we know more about now, it was acted in a sense because it was set back in the 80s, this movie that I think... uh, Resonated even more because we know more about it now. Mickey Rourke was terrific in this movie, and it was one of those movies that he picked up work on. Uh, and I'd love to speak to Greg or Jordan someday about Mickey Rourke on set. In just a few moments, we'll get on to our second feature on Mickey Rourke: talk blunt force trauma. I really like that Simple Mind song from the Informers. Now let's talk about Blunt Force Trauma from 2015. I have a DVD copy and the story consists mainly of an unusually compelling journey of business and pleasure for John, played by Ryan Quanton, Australian, awesome Australian actor, and Colt, Frida Pinto. Uh, they're on a round trip through South America while competing in this underground illegal dueling events. And unlike the Sam Raimi Western, the Quick and the Dead, uh, the gum battle between the two outlaws are not necessarily to the death. They wear these bulletproof vests uh, and it's all organised so they don't hide them under their jackets or anything like that. Uh, There are some really fierce, I guess you could say, competitors uh, they're sporting these old and secondhand vests, which some of them just don't work. Uh, it's not good. And some of the guns that they use to are not exactly reliable. Uh, it's filmed on authentic locations in Colombia. Uh, it's not really an action movie. It's more of a drama with a touch of romance. Yeah, can you believe it? Mickey Rourke, he plays a kingpin-type character, Zoringer, is the name I'll give him. I think that's how you pronounce it. He's this legendary jewelist uh, in the arena that has never lost. He's never lost, and now, like decades on from doing this over and over again, he will now only decide who he meets with like who is worthy of his presence to do a jewel with over in Colombia. Uh, he does not appear until the one hour, 17 minute mark, right at the end. So, we're um, waiting. If you're a Mickey Rock fan and you're waiting, watching just for him, you'll be waiting some time. Uh, he's wearing white cowboy boots with orange trim. He's got jeans and open a hoodie with a scarf dangling over his chest and beads just wrapped around his neck. Very interesting setup over his body, indeed. When it comes to costumes and jewelry, does he suit this role? Well, I think so. It's a little bit offbeat. Uh, there's nothing really sort of. Uh, Strange to talk about because this was a period of his career where there was a lot of strange things happening in his movie choices or his movie offers, I should say. He talks to a parrot, like a pet parrot he has named Joe. Uh, And when we see his character's lair, it's like this house high above the jungles of Columbia. Um, We know that things are not quite right and then as soon as I saw Joe the parrot with Zoringer, I thought of the bird in Iron Man 2 that Mickey insisted he had on set in a pivotal scene he shares with Sam Rockwell. We'll talk about that during an uh, episode of Mickey Rock Talk in the future. because we haven't covered Iron Man 2 yet. Uh, there's an early moment between John and Zoringer uh, and Ryan as an actor appears to be smiling or laughing a little bit as Mickey delivers the lines. Now I think maybe there was an inside joke happening. Yeah, could be, or maybe it was just my uh offbeat way I circle my eyes around the whole scene trying to inspect and see if something's in play that I don't know about with the actors. Could Mickey have played any other role? Nope, no way. There was no other significant role that he could have played, I don't think, except potentially for a character played by an actress called Carlina Gomez. More about her in just a few moments. Uh, That's the Buzzcocks, Ever Fallen In Love. And uh, a reason I'm saying that is, that's the name of the song. And there's a touch of romance in Bloodford's Trauma. I was just mentioning Carolina Gomez as Marla. She is the kind of handler and spotter in this movie that I guess is a go-between uh, to find talent for Zoringer, she works for Zoringer. Uh, Mickey may have been okay in that role, actually, as the uh, finder, the go-between, uh, and Carolina. As Mar- like, I think, I think this character actually is a stunning seductress. She could be a duelist, at least physically. Uh, and I think her acting in limited screen time is quite impressive. And on a side note, whenever I hear the name Marla, I immediately think of the one and only Helena Bonham Carter as Marla Singer in Fight Club. Ah, uh, yes, that's right, Fight Club. Uh, oh, Mickey um, Mickey Rourke could have been awesome in Fight Club. Imagine if he was in Fight Club. Anyway, I do b- believe that Marla Singer in Fight Club is breathtaking, devious, unforgettable. Helena Bonham Carter, I salute you. Does Mickey smoke or, uh, you know, do anything like that in blunt force trauma, like he often does in many of his movies? Yes, he does. He smokes a pipe. He has uh, chemistry with co-stars. I think with Ryan the most, he's opposite. It's sort of like this opposite kind of, I... I'm acting against you, but I'm also bouncing off you. I think Ryan respects Mickey to a point, but Mickey was just thinking, ah, I like this young guy. I'm going to really, really put it in, put in this effort. And I think it shows. Uh, I do believe that there was some kind of thing going on and smiling in this last scene that they're having together. Uh, And there's also... Zorin Zoringer is sort of philosophizing in this speech about a dragon and he's talking about how things have changed since he began dueling and all this sort of stuff. Uh, it it kind of works, but, you know, who knows what Mickey's thinking. He may have gone off script. It sort of seems he has. The chemistry between them is not bad, as I mentioned. It's believable, and that's the main thing, uh, especially in the final duel, the one-on-one battle works. Uh Zoringer is sporting this fur lined vest and a nice gold and leather belt uh over his jeans and and gun you know a real fancy gun um they're on top of the mountain in the finale uh there's a it's a big moment zor zorringer when he produces this big gold gun uh it's it's almost laughable but it's intense enough you know for a low budget film i think it works uh, this really could have been a movie above all movies, with a little bit more planning, a little bit more money behind it, um, some more action, potentially, and some more scenes with Mickey Rourke. I don't think they should have kept him until just the end, although time limits, constraints on filming might have been the case for Mickey's short scenes. His demeanour is not pleased. He's not pleased to be there, I don't think. Uh, in, In the scene, Mickey's sort of like, Confident that he's going to win, but he's not pleased that he has to go through it all, through it all again, you know, this duel. So that's what I'm getting from that scene. How it all ends, I'm not going to say, but Joe the Parrot does get away. He gets out of his cage and he goes flying free. Carolina Gomez has this brief moment with opposite Mickey acting, um, and I thought she's just worth mentioning again. They clicked in conversation. Aussie, Ryan, Quantin is all out. He's on his game here and it's a really good role. Uh, Frida Pinto, she has some really magnetic scenes with Ryan and I think that's where the romance comes into it. You don't think it's going to be romantic. There might have been a few indications there, but it doesn't stand out during the whole film at first. I don't know why. It just doesn't, but it works. Their relationship works and builds, and they start trusting each other and helping each other. Blind Force Trauma, Trauma is a pretty good movie if you like low budget, be great action without much action. And a short but decent performance from Mr. Mickey Raw. And before I go, I'd like to just mention that Frida Pinto uh, is in The Immortals or Immortals from 2011. Uh, with Mickey, Henry Cavill, John Hurt, uh, Stephen Dorff movie, and uh, that's a movie we'll cover in a future episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. I think Ryan Quanton, he was telling me he just finished a movie, another movie with Mickey Rourke. Uh, It's uh, out soon. It's called Section 8. I will review that in due time. That one also has Dolph Lundgren, Dermot Moroney, Scott Adkins is in it, who I spoke to recently as well about another movie, and we briefly mentioned Mickey Rourke in that interview. In future episode, I'll do a episode of Mickey Rourke talk uh, down the track where I'll have little clips from people I've spoken to who have worked with Mickey Rourke, with Mickey Rourke, including Eric Roberts. Uh, Ryan Quanton, just people who, over the times I've talked to people who happen to be linked with Mickey, I've, I've asked about them. So you can hear a, a, a interview, a snippet of an interview I did with Ron, Roger Donaldson in the White Sands Mickey Rock Talk pod, podcast. He was the director of White Sands, of course, and had a story about Mickey. And, and other people have told me stories about him or had comments about him. So uh, when I r- rustle them all up and put them in, you know, little groups of of audio clips I will play them in at least one maybe two I don't know in future episodes of Mickey Rock Talk it's a bit of fun having a chat about Mickey with fellow thespians or filmmakers well that is it for today's episode of Mickey Rock Talk my name is Shane A. Bassett you can find me online at movie underscore analyst or Movie analyst Shane Adam Bassett on YouTube where the Scott Adkins interview is actually there um, right now, among others. Look, I love Mickey Rourke and his movies are definitely like a roller coaster, up and down and flying around, but there's always something to talk about. So thank you for joining me. Drop me a line at shaneadambassett at gmail.com. If you want to, if not, that's fine. Enjoy the rest of your day. Long live Mickey Rourke.